Mark Twain is reported to have said, everyone talks about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. The same could be said about forgiveness. Everyone talks about it, but few of us do anything about it. That's because forgiveness is one of the hardest things we can do. But absent forgiveness, we are bound to a dead past. Sam Keen puts it this way. Forgiveness is a necessary medicine to heal the wounds we suffer from carelessness and cruelty. In the degree that we refuse to forgive, he says, we are condemned to live with anger and resentment, always seeking revenge against those who have wronged us. Once we enter the cycle of resentment and revenge, Keen continues, there is no exit. We are handcuffed to the corpse of a moribund past, locked in an intimate relationship with an enemy who increasingly embitters and poisons us. Keen is right. Without forgiveness, we are bound to what has been and we bind others to what has been. What is broken stays broken. In our living room, there is an old chair with a woven cane back. Marilyn's mom and dad found it in their first house in Seattle. The chair was left behind along with a detachable corner cupboard. The chair came with the house, Harriet told us. The chair was given to others for safekeeping and then found its way to us. When we got it, the chair had a broken dignity. The beauty and grace of the original design was still there, but time and years of use had left their mark. The back and arms had been broken and repaired. Crude braces held the pieces together. We cleaned it up, made a new cushion for it, and placed it in the living room of every parsonage and home we lived in. One evening in Connecticut, a friend sat down on it and broke off one of the chair's arms. Embarrassed, he took it home, and there he fixed it and then gave it back to us. We took that chair with us to Chicago and then to Seattle. It was broken again in the move to Seattle. We placed it in the garage attic midst old books, beds, mattresses, trunks, and boxes of Christmas decorations. There it stayed. During its time in the garage, the cushion was chewed to pieces by mice. The whole thing barely held together. Every once in a while, we would remember that old broken chair. Too much work to fix it, I thought. More trouble than it's worth. I saw an old chair 
that would never be whole. Marilyn, however, remembered the chair in its broken beauty, remembered the story of what it was made to be and what it could still be, imagined that broken chair whole. So we pulled it down from the garage attic. I took it apart. I removed the old clumsy braces, glued and clamped the broken pieces together, made new custom metal braces that fit almost hidden inside the frame of the back of the chair. So much work, I thought, just to fix an old wreck of a chair. I filled the cracks, I puttied it, carefully sanded it, and then slowly put it back together, shaking my head. So much work for a worthless chair, too fragile to sit in. I stripped off the old finish, sanded it smooth, and then applied a new natural finish. The cracks were still visible, so I blended paint to match the color of the wood and methodically painted new grain in the wood and then I sealed it. We made a new cushion and fastened it to the old base. Marilyn covered it with a Swedish fabric, bright colors on a dark background. Then we put it back into its place in the living room. This old, broken, worthless chair, now beautiful and whole again, and strong enough to sit in. Get really close and you might find evidence of the cracks. You might see the new braces carefully set into the back behind the cane, but you will have to look long and hard. It's beautiful, whole again, this broken chair, stronger than it ever was, restored to the glory imagined by its maker. To forgive and to be forgiving is to be like that old chair, broken, abandoned, rescued, and restored. You never forget the cracks, but they are held together by love, braced by mercy, covered with hope. You never forget what was broken, but it no longer determines value. What was no longer decides what will be. Peter asks Jesus, how many times should we forgive someone? Seven times? How many times must we sit in that old broken chair remembering all the times it collapsed beneath us? How can we not see the cracks? How many times must we be disappointed before we finally toss out that old chair? Why work so hard on it? Sooner or later, it's just going to break again. Jesus tells Peter a story about a man in debt to a king. Owes him so much, he could never pay it back. His life is in pieces. He is bound to his debt, broken beyond repair. But rather than throw him out, 
The king forgives his debt, restores his life, sets him free, wipes his slate clean. What was broken is made whole. The man leaves the king, walks out the door, and sees someone who owes him a few bucks. He demands that it be paid back immediately. And when that man can't cover the debt, he throws him into jail. You know the rest of the story. The king hears about this, is furious, hauls the man back into the palace, the man whose huge debt he forgave, and throws him into prison. There, Jesus says, to be tortured until he has paid back every dime. And then Jesus says, looking at Peter with a smile, so my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive others from your heart. It's a story. You were all once too broken to be fixed, he tells the disciples. But you weren't thrown out with the trash. You were forgiven, cracks and all. Remember that the next time you see someone you think is too broken to be fixed. God can take the broken pieces of our lives and recover what is lost. It's not for you to restore. God does that. It's for you to forgive. The equivalent of pulling a worthless chair out of the attic and letting a master craftsman do the rest of the work. Forgiveness is something you choose to do rather than something you feel like doing. Each of us has the power to bind and loose others. We can burden them with reminders of what they have been and what they have done, or we can set them free from a past that cannot be changed. At the heart of what Christians call the gospel is the notion that what has been need not determine what will be, and who we were need not determine what we are or what we still can be. <clears throat> if you refuse to forgive those who have trespassed against you, you may think that by withholding forgiveness, you are punishing them. But you are not punishing them. You are punishing yourself. I know some people who have been nursing resentment all their lives. For this reason, they're not happy. They will never be happy. And they will die before anyone can pry them loose from their resentment. If you wait until someone acknowledges what they have done to hurt you before you forgive them, you will never forgive anyone. Many cruel people are narcissistic and indifferent and clueless. You will wait a lifetime for them to accept responsibility for the pain they have inflicted on you. Or, more likely, you will never live to see it. Better to release them now, to let go, 
and to be set free yourself. In her book, Forgiving the Unforgivable, Beverly Flanagan reminds us that real forgiveness is not transactional. We do not forgive others expecting that they will accept responsibility for what they have done to us. Jesus turns forgiveness on its head. We do not forgive others because we expect them to change. We forgive others because we ourselves have been changed by forgiveness. We have been pulled out of the attic of our worst instincts and by the mercy and grace of God reclaimed and restored and made whole. God looks at what is broken and sees what we were created to be and in Christ restores what was lost. It is not for us to fix others. It is for us to look for the image of God in something broken and give it to God. It is for us to remember that we ourselves have been put back together, our being put back together, that we ourselves have been reclaimed from the attic of our failures. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness remembers and lets go. Forgiveness does not excuse bad behavior. It just no longer looks for payback. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. It is release. And forgiveness is reckless. If it was not reckless, it would not be forgiveness. Forgiveness is not deserved. And that's the whole point. Forgiveness is a hard, necessary work. No one can do it for you. It begins with you. It is an act of freedom. Finally, forgiveness frees you from being a perpetual victim. Having said that, forgiveness has good boundaries. Having forgiven those who have hurt us does not mean that we will let those who have hurt us hurt us again. It means that we are no longer bound by what has been and will no longer bind others for what they have done to us. A grudge gets heavier the longer you carry it. Forgiveness lightens your load. To be created in the image of God is to be capable of hope, justice, mercy, and forgiveness. It is also the capacity to see the image of God in others, especially those who no longer see it in themselves or maybe have never seen it. The paradox of forgiveness is that it changes nothing and it changes everything. Paul reminds us in Romans 14 that real freedom is not doing whatever you want to do. 
Real freedom is when, for the sake of others, you choose not to do something you could do. None of us lives to himself or herself, he says, and none of us dies to himself or herself. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. It is only when we remember to whom we belong that we are free to forgive, that we can forgive others because we remember that God in his freedom has already forgiven us. We are set free to set others free. The psalmist talks about a God who makes the earth shake, who can bring water out of rock. The story from Exodus tells us about the God who makes a way of deliverance where there is none, who parts the deep waters, who is revealed in fire in the deepest darkness, who delivers us from the dead ends and death, a God who is remembered not for his threats, but for his hesed, his steadfast love and forgiveness for people who don't deserve it. God's earth-shaking mercy and forgiveness create the ground for beginnings without end. Through them, God reclaims our broken lives, frees us from reading over and over again from the same old script of hopeless determinism that is bound by an endless cycle of payback. Through forgiveness, God breaks our chains and sets us free that we ourselves can break the chains of others and set them free. So remember that you are broken so that you may have mercy on those who are broken. And remember that you have been set free and are made whole so that you can set others free and let God make them whole. This is the hard good news of forgiveness. Lean into it and live. Amen.